Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today, we are joined by Anna Honko, Steve Fox, and Dustin Sarazan. Anna is an associate professor at Boston University School of Medicine. Steve is an associate principal scientist at Merck & Company. Dustin is a vice president and CSO at Data Sciences International, a company known for its specialty in preclinical physiological monitoring. They are here to discuss the importance of continuous, real-time monitoring in preclinical research. Let's jump in. So Anna, first question, one of them came in is, have you been able to use the real-time telemetry signal to refine euthanasia criteria when dealing with very sick animals? Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually one of the, the perfect applications for it. So we and other folks have been interested in the use of the real-time monitoring to refine the euthanasia criteria. And as I, I mentioned over and over again, that decrease uh, in the temperature, that terminal decrease has been tested and we've been using a four degrees drop in Celsius from that baseline as our combined trigger. Okay. And so I think that'll be a really good one. And that's in the model system that we've, we've been using. I think that would be something people would have to test on their own. But it, it's definitely something that that can be used and can be really important. Okay, excellent. And actually, I believe, Steve, are you with us now? Yep, I am. Perfect. I've got a question here. A member of our audience has specifically asked, uh, do they require a Faraday cage for EEG recordings with the telemetry system? So we don't use uh, Faraday cages per se. We use uh, stainless steel shielding around each cage to minimize crosstalk between the transmitters happen to be on similar frequencies. And that in and of itself provides a, you know, kind of a barrier. Now we have had some problems in our dog colony with electrical interference from the actual walls, the electrical conduits and things that are actually in the walls in some of our animal rooms. And so we've put up uh, some stainless steel shielding around some of those cages that are along the back wall to help uh, minimize any kind of electrical noise and things like that. But because the devices are completely implanted, you know, it's a bit of a less of a concern compared to something that might be hardwired or tethered to the actual electrical system of a lab or a building. Okay, excellent. And actually, I've got another one here just while you're on the hot seat. So we've got some questions that are basically coming around the duration of continuous recording for sleep data in research subjects. Are there any limits that you can share you know, with the audience as far as how long you can continuously record? So in the preclinical species, we typically will do a 21-day study for a single compound or a single dose with continuous you know, 24-hour recordings only to stop the data to upload it part of our automated workflows for data analysis. In human subjects, we have gone as long as 72 hours continuous, but I believe we've had to replace you know, batteries in the devices, obviously, because, because they're ambulatory, which does cause some you know, bit of confusion and some problems, but people tend to be able to replace the batteries relatively easily for the most part. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. All right, Anna, I believe this would be a, a question for you. So the question is, have you evaluated EEG and or other CV parameters in the evaluation of infectious diseases? So actually, maybe it's for, for both you and Steve, you could chime in. And then in addition, any consistent trends aside from decreased body temp and an increased heart rate in your research findings? 
Okay, so I personally haven't, but it is definitely, I know that there's other people that are interested in it. It's definitely something that, that I've thought we should expand into, especially when you start looking at not necessarily the sleep monitoring, but definitely the seizure monitoring. So a lot of these viruses are also known to induce seizures and have encephalitis parameters and findings. And so I think it's definitely something that's interesting. And I, I know that there's people that, if they're not doing it right now, are thinking about it. And so I, I think it's one of those things that, that we can expand into in the future. I think it could be really important. Excellent. And, and to add to that, we've actually looked at eight infectious disease modifying compounds, like HIV, for example, HIV compounds, looking for CNS adverse effects, things like insomnia, and one of our, I think he's the director of our infectious disease department at Merck, will actually be presenting some preclinical and clinical data uh, showing some very nice translation between preclinical and clinical studies of how specific HIV compounds actually uh, can have effects within the CNS itself. And this is Dusty here. Some of Anna's colleagues in the chemical defense world, as opposed to infectious disease, have been using EEGs in primates. And uh, they've actually presented that in a couple of posters. And they're looking at uh, colon organophosphate-type chemical weapons, etc. So it definitely uh, does apply as a chemical side, if not the infectious disease side. And if I could step back briefly to that other part of the question, I definitely didn't have time to really get into it in this talk, but there's lots of things that correlate. So I know I was focusing a lot on the fever, but when you really look at it, the fever and then the heart rate and then the respiratory rate, all of these things that we've seen and blood pressure, we tend to see that it, it tends to correlate in a progression. So we get that kind of, by doing these longitudinal studies, we can really get a whole picture of the clinical disease and see the entire progression. And it really depends on the feasibility of which system people want to use and, and what they're interested in as far as, you know, the, the basic telemetry device versus that kind of full-blown package and whether they're doing kind of that longitudinal model development or if they just really want to look at a certain parameter. Mm -hmm. And depending on which season, stage in the disease the animals are on, you really do see each of those correlate. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.